0: Our podcast with super fans rose and sam and malika too she's undecided
1: if she even likes it but we watched our game and
0: talk about it because it's fun we probe the wormholes yes we do because we have nothing better to do so listen here's our
1: show hello and welcome to probing the wormhole i'll be your host today i'm rose and i'm here with
0: samantha a super fan of stargate
1: and malika still not a fan apparently
0: (laughs) a fan
2: i don't know if i go with super fan not yet
1: well, today we will be discussing Within the Serpent's Grasp, the season finale of season one of SG1. Okay, so we start this episode in the SGC with Hammond shredding documents. Everything's
2: all mothballed. So sad. Well, uh, isn't Hammond a general? Yes. Why is he using a shredder? <laughs> Shouldn't he have people <laughs> that could do that for him? Yes i understand that it's classified information but that's why you have uh gary what's his name gary jones to shred stuff (laughs) you should be shredding stuff (laughs) i also think they'd have one
1: of those like secure shredding services and not just trust people to shred stuff
2: (laughs) it's probably not even a cross cut do they even have cross cut shredders back then (laughs) yeah this is like the stone age
1: 1998 (laughs) So we find out that he was actually a month away from retirement when he took over the SGC, I guess, from General West. And O'Neill comes in and tries to convince him that they shouldn't be shutting down Hammond, good soldier that he is, says, we have our orders. I tried. President said it would be political suicide, but we lost the fight. Stargate's going to be buried. So Is this believable that like the entire political establishment would basically decide to ignore a very clear threat? Yes. (laughs) Uh, COVID? I mean like a military threat, not like a climate change kind of threat.
0: (laughs) I think so, yes. The threat is of alien nature, right? I could see people being very doubtful about that.
1: To the point where, like, we know they're aliens. We know they're hostile. We know they hate us, and that they want us destroyed, and have tried to attack us. So we're just going to be like, "Oh, let's just shut it down." I don't know. I think so. You think? I so? think
0: so. Pe- there are people still out there who believe the Earth is flat. So yeah, <laughs> yeah but they're not president. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> one of them
0: <laughs> no, might no, have been. <laughs> actually. They could have been president.
1: Fair enough. So when we see that we see SG One sort of in this really sadly mothballed control room, and they are apparent they are planning a, a mutiny,
2: with O'Neill's shirt untucked. That's how you know <laughs> that the program is over because O'Neill is no longer tucked.
0: <laughs> I like that they put in a, a dust sheet over the Stargate though. That was a nice touch.
1: <laughs> I wanted to get dirty. Yeah. So O'Neill basically is like, we can't let this happen. Daniel's still going on about his alternate reality. O'Neill still doesn't really believe him. I don't know why you wouldn't believe him. I mean, stranger things have happened, but okay. O'Neill's like, let's just, let's just ixnay on the alternate reality. But you know, he's, he wants the program to go on because he thinks that this is a threat and they're sort of their last line of defense. And he's basically like, Hey, let's violate orders. Who cares? And Sam's like, I don't think so. Uh, but eventually convinces them all to go along
2: with this plan. Well, not really Tilk, because he was on board. As soon as Daniel said, let's go back, he's like, let's go. Yeah, Daniel and Tilk were kind
1: of the the cheerleaders. And then O'Neill sort of reluctantly agrees once they start talking about the medical attack and everything.
2: (laughs) They're not going to be court-martialed. Because they'd be dead. Well, yeah, (laughs) everybody's going to be dead, but, um, you know, Carter and O'Neill have been in the military for a long time. They know about, you know, fomenting mutiny and, and being court-martialed. So
1: So, they, they're the ones that need convincing because they're literally risking their careers and freedom. It doesn't matter because they're all going to be dead.
2: (laughs) Well, but they're all dead in the alternative universe. So there's still a tiny possibility that it won't happen.
1: So this is like kind of the difference between O'Neill and Hammond, right? Hammond's like, I agree with you, but I'm following my orders. I'm sworn to follow orders and that's what I'm going to do. And O'Neill's like, fuck it, right? Order schmorders. this is more important. And this is, a, I think, a running theme where O'Neill is like a good soldier, good soldier to a point, And then he's like, yeah, fuck it. Don't really care. Like with the toll end, for example. And Sam, sort of the last one to agree.
0: But she finally does agree after uh, O'Neill decides
1: to to go to ask nicely yes (laughs) it's not an order just a request yep so then we get to the gate room the gates activated they're all in their black clothes they're
0: (laughs) this is the first time we've seen them in their little black ops uniforms
1: is that what that is it's just is, is it okay so were they wearing that because they're not on an official mission and so they need to be all like not in uniform or is this like we're on black ops we have to wear like special black ops clothes
0: i think it's because they they they're gonna go they're gonna be sneaky they're gonna sneak
1: around they need their (laughs) sneak around clothes and shouldn't it shouldn't it be harder to like leave the planet without permission
0: yeah how do they get into the gate room why is it empty where's walter and how does the 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 base not hear this stargate starting to you know well they did
2: they did remember and they heard it going and then they all started running down the hallway and i i guess daniel carter i don't know who closed and locked that the door to the gate room
1: yeah well, carter does her fancy it's always like carter's hacking whatever and that's her thing she hacks stuff so she can do whatever she wants fine but like okay if if the gate is to the point where it's it's covered in a dust sheet shouldn't it be like taken offline entirely i mean if nobody's at the gate people can still dial into it right so somebody should still be there like watching it <laughs> monitoring it to put up that iris of necessary it's not buried you mean the sheet doesn't stop everything <laughs> not a good plan not a good plan for gate security did
0: you guys notice who uh showed up finally after his uh like Year-long eye surgery.
1: Freddie. Yes. I was so excited about that. So I was like, "Freddie's back. Yeah. He survived and his eye's fine. Yes. But this is the last time we see him. I, I mean, I really thought Children of the Gods was the last time we see him. He was not rememberable for me in this episode, but I don't think we see him again. But he's apparently leading SG2.
0: Good. Good for him.
1: Yeah. So sometime between now and whenever he goes somewhere, <laughs> doesn't come back. Okay, so we get all, activate the gate because of extraordinarily poor gate security, send the map through, and then SG-1 goes through. By the time they break into the gate room too late, they're already off world. That would be a good argument for why Hammond should not be in charge of the gate.
2: He put a sheet over it, right? (laughs) Come on. Maybe he really deep down wanted this to happen and that's why he didn't unplug it. I like that explanation
1: better than he's just completely incompetent because I like Hammond and I think that leaving the gate unsecured in this manner is unacceptable so maybe he was like everyone leave the gate room for half an hour because I said so and don't look at it maybe and they even,
0: it. they even sent the mouth through I mean they're in there for a good like 20 <laughs> minutes yes but they're wearing black <laughs> nobody can see them and <laughs> they're sneaky <laughs> so
1: they get to the other side and it Also, totally unguarded gate. I mean, gates are really big deals, right? There are portals to other planets where there are hostile forces. Shouldn't they be guarded at all times, right? Just saying. To get to the other side, just gate left in this room that happens to be totally empty. Also, there's no security cameras on this ship. There's no like sensors Like you could just walk around
2: for hours and hours and nobody knows. But Tilk said that nobody would be expecting them to come through this gate. Because I mean, later on, we're going to find out that the coordinates are no good, right? As soon as they move away from that planet, you can no longer dial into this gate.
0: Didn't they at some point try to dial out to, to communicate with that big ball? They didn't have to dial the gate to communicate through the big ball. But it used, it seemed to use the gate's energy.
1: It was in the middle of the gate. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so, just a place to put it. I guess I don't know why it's in the middle of the cave.
2: I thought it was pretty cool. I, th- I thought the, the ball was pretty good. S uh, SGI CGI. CGI. <laughs> okay, I thought it was pretty good CGI for the ball. Later on, when we find out what's can be can communicate through the ball, that wasn't so good. But the ball looked awesome. I thought. Yeah, I like the ball. But I just feel like with
1: advance, with something so advanced that you're like traveling like a thousand times the speed of light, you should have security cameras. I'm just saying. I mean, maybe it's just schooled arrogance that they're so sure that nobody could come through that they don't bother. But I don't know. a lot of these problems could be avoided with some like very basic security measures. So they go in. This is where we find our Zats. And this is the first time we see the Zat guns, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So one shot stuns, two shots kill, three shots disintegrate. We've established the rules of the Zats. The disintegration thing is ridiculous. I really hate that they did that. I'm like, what happens to their body?
0: Okay, so you object because of physics. Well that's good. That's okay. <laughs> I f- I object <laughs> to
1: the <laughs> physics. Okay, I can I can get the one shot, shot, the one shot stuns most people, but you can't guarantee that won't kill like, like a frail person, right? Because
0: right, right.
1: You would get no. like if you're weak and one shot gives you enough energy, you might still die. And I wonder how much
0: time. Has yeah, to that's the other thing.
1: Because yeah. people get shot, like you get shot, and then like a week later you get shot again, that still counts as two one shots. It doesn't count as a two shot. So what at what point does the energy dissipate enough that it won't kill you? And also the thing about the Zats that we will encounter later is it disables people for like widely varying <laughs> amounts of time. So sometimes it just sort of is like a little uncomfortable and sometimes it knocks you out for like a full day. We'll have lots of opportunity to
2: revisit the inconsistency of the, G- the Zat guns. I was proud of myself when the credits rolled by and I saw Alexis Alexis Cruz's name. I was like, I know who that is. <laughs> <I'm> all excited. <laughs> Same thing with Gary Jones. I'm like I know you Met
1: Gary Jones. Did you actually meet know. him? No. Okay. <laughs> we we just watched him for a couple of days. So the engines engage. They get thrown backwards. Teals like uh, we should leave. So then they're gonna dial home. Okay, why would they give up that easily? You, you, you. first of all, you leave earth, you know it's a one-way trip unless some major shit happens. You're going to save earth or die trying and there is no third option, right? So the first tiny little setback, they're gonna dial home where they know they're gonna have nothing but a jail cell waiting for them. That makes no sense. You would think they'd, if they had to get out of there, you'd think they'd at least dial somewhere else so that they could like figure out what to do next.
0: Maybe they were gonna send a message. And that's it, but, but not come back.
1: Maybe, I don't know. didn't seem like that was what they were doing. But then
0: they, they sent the mouth back. So they did send
1: the mouth back. I think they did that to establish that the gate worked and that when it didn't work later, it wasn't because it didn't work.
0: And how, how is it that Teal can withstand the acceleration? <laughs> that they can't? <laughs> well, he's like
1: braced for it. But I'm like, how, how much can you brace for that kind of, like, I think even if you're like braced for it, you still would fall down.
0: Yeah. Like I like think of Bart, I'm, I'm braced for the Bart train to go, but sometimes I just fall.
2: Maybe Jaffa have like extra heavy feet. None of the Jafar fell over. No, they didn't even wobble. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and uh, Tilt didn't know it was coming the first time. And he still didn't fall over. Everybody else did. So they can't try to go home. They can't.
1: Then starts the hiding, sneaking phase of the episode, which lasts quite a while. The Japaz come in with their cobra heads. The, mu- the movie music plays. There's the big giant ball that comes out and goes into the middle of the gate. And we learn that the ball is a long range communication device. And then they leave the room and start sneaking away.
2: Um, I think that how he said it's like a TV, but when we actually do see it, it's not like a TV because they can talk to each other. So it's more like Zoom. or definitely
1: alien Zoom. Yeah. Yes, alien Zoom all the way. I mean, maybe Zoom was like,
0: maybe Zoom was
1: was made in response to this episode.
0: Malika, what did you think this ball was when you first saw it?
2: It looks, it, it was so perfectly spherical and it just, it seemed like it should have been something more than a television
1: (laughs) (laughs) so we're back at the sgc they find out hammond finds out and gary jones tells him that um sg1 went to the coordinates from the alternate reality freddie is there again yay freddie and he leader of sg2 wants to go after them everyone's you know hammond doesn't seem all that inclined to come bring them back he kind of wants you, you get the impression that he wants them to do what they're whatever they were going to do doesn't want them to come back just to be court-martialed doesn't want to officially send for Eddie, but doesn't seem seems to consider it that she went still sneaking around
0: i like their little formation sneaky things that they're doing it <laughs> the official. Show. yeah it seems very official what they're doing
1: they're very official they do the like run and two person and then two people and look in both ways it's very clearly military tactic daniel
0: looks good even though he's had what like a couple of hours training to do this at this
1: point
2: he's been on the team for like a year
0: yeah yeah
2: still it's not that it it's like real training like later on we're gonna see him shoot the two guns with both hands and he like murders a two java and then like hides behind a column all in one swift motion i'm surprised there wasn't a somersault in there <laughs> there should have been but that was awesome that was awesome that's like what does daniel be doing in his off
1: time so they realize they are on a ship not a planet they're in hyperspace we do see Freddy and the team ready to go officially on the mission to bring them back for court-martial, unofficially to back them up. We don't see Freddy and his team again for the rest of the episode, right? Well, they're locked out, right? So they or oh, they can't go to those coordinates. So right. they try to go and they can't go.
2: Okay. It won't, it won't lock
1: them. So SG-1's on their own. And then we go back to the ship and Teal had never seen a ship like this. So to me, the... It seemed like the technology in the, like, less than a year that Te- Teal'c has been gone, Gould technology has really furthered a lot. Like, he's never seen this kind of ship. He's never seen this kind of hyperspace. Did they just develop all those things?
0: Yeah, that was my question, too.
2: <laughs> but, you know, he does later on talk about all he can fly is the Death Gliders, right? So I think that new technology, new ship technology, probably new weapons are also kind of out of Jaffa pay grade. So maybe this stuff was already in the process before till, before he left. This stuff might've been in the pipeline already and he just didn't know. I didn't understand why he's only
1: qualified to to pilot the Deathlight Glider. Like we see him later piloting other ships and knowing exactly how to. So maybe he just wasn't officially licensed for those.
0: But he was prime, right? Prime he was prime, prime. right? He should have known how to do that. I agree. Maybe Apophis didn't like to travel?
2: Maybe he was like a land prime. <laughs> not an air prime. So Maybe funny. there's also like underwater primes. What, what land stuff do you do? Well, him and um, Raytak, Him and Raytac just like hang out like on the ground fighting because he's good fighting at, on the ground. <laughs> he's just not as good fighting in the air. <laughs>
1: He just did gate travel. Yeah, maybe he's a gate gator, not a piloter. But he's first prime. He should know everything. A little inconsistent for me. So they find the Death Glider Bay, and they're like, shit, this, the, the, we're going to Earth. This looks like an attack on Earth. And Sam estimates that it would take them at least a year based on the coordinates of the planet and
2: the... Speed that Teal estimated these ships could go. She turns out to be way off. Okay. Yeah, she was calculating it based on 10 times the speed of light.
0: Is this before or after Carter kills somebody? Who does she kill? She kills yeah, a guard.
2: Yeah, she she shot him twice and then Teal oh, disintegrates yeah. him. That's how we find out that zap guns disintegrate people. Yeah, this is
1: after. She didn't seem too bothered
2: by that. No. Absolutely not. There was no like second thought. She was like, bang, bang,
0: you're dead.
2: So then we
1: see, oh, your turtle priests. We
2: see your turtle priests, Malika. I'm sure you were happy about that. I did. I put that in my notes.
1: <laughs> I don't think we ever see priests on motherships again, but we see them. Okay, maybe because it's this. There's a sarcophagus. There's an actual gold on the ship. So there's a sarcophagus. Turtle priests are doing their thing. We see a puffus appear on the ball, and he will wipe out the scourge of the Tauri. Until he returns, follow the orders of his son, and then we get the big reveal of the sarcophagus opening and Clarell slash Skara appearing, and everybody vows.
0: So the Ga'uld in Skara is the child of the Ga'uld in Apophis?
1: Yes, because he seeded the queen mother. Okay. Who I guess is like a Hathor type.
0: Right. Right. Okay.
1: Yeah, it's, and we never really see this again, but this like family structure that like, your litter, I guess you can consider yourself. What about like with Hathor When Hathor, she's giving birth to like dozens and dozens of baby goats. Are those all her kids? And she's going to identify all of them and find hosts for all of them and treat all of them like royalty.
2: But you can have, I think you can have the ones that create the mothers create these, these symbiotes with like Daniel. So they wouldn't be royalty necessarily. They wouldn't be catered as high up as Skara, right? So then, so Hathor, in Hathor, we get
1: the explanation that they need, so she's one of the mothers. So there's only a handful of goulds that can birth new goulds. But she said she needed to mate with the species of the host. So she mates with Daniel and makes goulds. So those, those goulds are half her and half Daniel, right? right? Those are Daniel's babies. <laughs> So how could Apophis make goulds with a queen? They would they would be
2: full gold and not half human. But then wouldn't that make them special? So Hathor's kids can't be, they might be partially royal symbiotes, but this is crazy that we're having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they could never be at the same level as Apophis's symbiotes because he's mating with another... Ga'uld, like the Ga'uld mother. So like Hathor's kids would never be in that same lineage. So these are like special.
1: Then how can they take hosts? Cause the explanation was that you needed human DNA in order to make it compatible with the human hosts. Or is it maybe that you only need to do that every few generations? Maybe. So related question. So Hathor and Daniel made those baby ghouls by like fucking in the traditional way. Right. That was the implication. Apophis's Gould and Chlorel's mother Gould, how do Goulds fuck? Is it, do they fuck through their hosts and make, they don't fuck through their hosts and make baby Goulds. They fuck in their Gould form and make baby Goulds, right? (laughs) Unclear. The reproductive habits of Goulds is very unclear.
2: Well, do we even know that Goulds actually even look like Apophis? They look like snakes. They look like snakes. Right. So, where's the How do snakes fuck? I don't know. You're just determined <laughs> to make this an an expletive podcast. <laughs>
1: Past that point,
0: you did like five fucks. <laughs> so. no.
1: We can use another term.
0: I think they have a little penis that comes
1: out. Actual snakes?
0: Yeah, I think they do. So if you
1: Google. are not going to make me Google how do snakes have sex,
0: oh. As a picture that came up. God, okay, let's
1: move on. Don't they do like a snake ball,
2: and they stick?
1: I their thought p- they wrap out. themselves like around. So we, so these are not actual snakes; they just kind of look like snakes. But there must be some mating procedure to make baby Goulds That can't. Yeah. That I, I don't know. if Maybe it could be done in the host.
2: Maybe they just push their bellies together.
1: <laughs> don't
2: know. Or their necks <laughs> together well that's right
1: because it's in their neck too
2: oh
1: yeah i don't think this is ever explained there's a lot of inconsistencies in gould breeding and stuff so we don't know what seeding the queen mother involves so we have more sneaking around o'neill tells sam and daniel to plant c4 all over the ship i feel like they always rely on c4 and how much c4 can you possibly carry with you but apparently enough to blow up a huge fucking ship and he and Tilgh are going to try to capture Skara. And Sam respectfully says, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> you are making an emotional decision. And he says, you're right. I'm still doing it. I know you have things to say about that exchange, Sam.
0: Yeah, uh, she's right in my opinion. But I do respect O'Neill's acknowledging that he is swayed a little bit by emotion. Yeah, he's, it
1: struck me as very self-aware. Like, and this is one thing where I think O'Neill is actually a very good commander. He can take criticism from his subordinates. He could listen to alternatives. He doesn't have, he doesn't put ego first, but he also like goes with his gut and he's like, this may be an emotion decision, but it's important to me and I'm going to do it anyway. And, and once he says that she like accepts it, she's like, okay, fine. Uh, And follows his orders. But it is a shit, a shit plan. Oh, they're always shit plans. The plan of like, how many Jaffa do you think are in that ship? Like at the end of the episode, you see the size of that ship. Hundreds,
2: right? Hundreds of Jaffa. And there's four More of them. Hundreds. I bet they have like bunks. <laughs> they have like pods. It's like, um, it's like the matrix. It's just a room of them all in like the little cylinders. Because they don't sleep. So they don't need bunks.
1: They just need a place to meditate. Well, they just. A they candle need-
2: room. They have a candle room. Yeah. But levels, like lofts because <laughs> so i bet you that there's a ton of them because literally they are going to attack and destroy a whole planet there must be thousands of death gliders on that ship if you're going to destroy
0: the entire world yes <laughs> sorry i can't get over the room with like a million candles.
1: <laughs> okay apparently candles are necessary for kelnarim of course <laughs> So if you have thousands of Jaffa, that's a hell of a lot of candles. Yeah. Do you think they
2: all get lavender vanilla candles? <laughs> How does that not set the ship on fire? Yeah, fire is not what you want. Open flame on a ship is not a good idea. Well, space extinguishes fire, right? Unless it catches the like the working parts of the ship on fire. <laughs> And isn't it controlled oxygen in there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe it's
1: flameless candles. <laughs>
2: Can you imagine? They do their meditation and they're all peppy after their meditation. And then putting the little um flameless candles on the recharge thing <laughs>
1: <laughs> for the next I'm just picturing like the sauce the Costco sized pack of little tea lights. <laughs> <laughs> they must load up the ship before they leave. <laughs> but I mean, he is right in the sense that it is strategic. I mean, he wants <clears throat> he wants to save Skara. But his th- feeling is if they can capture Skara, maybe he could reach him and appeal to him um, to fight through Clarell's control. Like what was her name from Thor's hammer? And Sam's like, okay, fair enough. What's our contingency plan in case your brilliant scheme doesn't work? And he's like, basically let's blow this shit to hell. I just find it hard to believe they have enough C4 on them. It's not like a nuclear bomb. I mean, C4 is like a mild explosive to like stop that whole ship. But Sam does have some good ideas. It's like she just tr- strategically places them on
0: things. Combustible places.
1: Yeah. So we go to the sarcophagus room. Chlorel is there. O'Neill and Teal take out a whole bunch of Jaffa really freaking easily. And Teal grabs hold of Corel before he can use the ribbon device. And Corelle does his ghoul cool thing. You'll die a painful death, yada, yada. Um, and then they lock themselves in the room, which I'm not sure what their plan to get out is.
2: <laughs> they just like sealed themselves in the room. But they really, I mean, O'Neal wanted to give them enough time so that he can like talk Skara's brain his old brain into coming back to the forefront and taking over the the symbiote it's not a great plan
1: it's really because like i mean first of all they've never seen that work they just know it and kendra didn't say she was able to like fight the control and take back her body she said she was able to like plant suggestions enough to get the ghoul to go to to that planet and so i'm like what's your end game here like to reach Skara, and then what? You're stuck in a room with him on a ship full of gold that's heading towards Earth. So it felt like it wasn't exactly thought out.
0: <laughs> I guess they want Skara to then act as Chlorel. Yeah.
2: I mean, that's a good plan, but you're gonna say to him, Skara, do you remember me? And he's gonna be like, oh, yes. <laughs> 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 it seems like it might take a little bit longer than that. And I don't know if talk therapy is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> and like what so and then
1: like uh, there's no there's no evidence that he would then be able to like have full control of the body right like it, yeah so it seemed like I could I could have seen like taking him and like kidnapping him and trying to deprogram him or whatever taking him back to the SGC and see if they can remove it just did not work so well with uh, Kowalski but just like locking yourself in a room for a, knowing thinking that you have a year but they don't really have to worry about it because they do break into the room pretty fast <laughs> So you, you have Sam and Daniel sneaking around more. Plant the C4 in the gliders to try to set off a chain reaction. You have O'Neill trying to appeal to Scara. No, he says bullshit. I missed that.
0: I didn't know that He said bullshit. He says he says that's bullshit to Scara, uh, Scara, Scara, Corral, Corral, Corral. Yeah. Wow, O'Neill really angry. Okay, what was Wait, was that
1: just on the Blu-ray? Is that on
0: the Netflix? netflix
1: but what was this okay. was this on the sci-fi channel could they say
0: sh- bullshit? it's still on no it's still on uh showtown sh- showtown oh showtime
1: oh, yeah. remember when hbo and showtime were like super fancy risque channels
2: mm-hmm. there was also there's cinemax that cinemax. was later i think mm-hmm. no because i saw it in like middle school oh really watched, uh cinemax after dark or something mm-hmm. Cinemax. cinemax. <laughs>
1: So they do so the thing that actually gets scar to come out for a minute is zatting him and he comes out he says oh
2: neil and he says are you still my friend
0: like what the
2: hell oh, that was, so... it was a
1: lot that was too much
0: <laughs> and then he's
1: like and forgive us for what we're about to do and he was like what are you about to do <laughs> just say it yeah and then clorelle takes over again and the jump busts through and they are taken into custody so back on the at the stargate on the ship sam again strategically plants c4 to try to maximize any explosion they sneakily scamper away hiding it apparently invisible (laughs) because they don't seem to be hit all that hidden but they are not discovered and they um see O'Neill and teal brought in with the Jaffa with the turtle priests
2: but before that when they're planting the c4 um on the gate Daniel's like let's just blow it up let's blow it up because of his death wish and yeah. Sam's like or Carter is like no I'm putting it on a timer we're not gonna blow it up right this second that that was after so
1: the after they see okay. them brought in that's when they're like oh my god we have to Sam's like we have to go after them and Daniel's like how about we just blow it up yeah. so interesting because yes Daniel has a death wish and he's always wants to die and Sam always wants to rescue Jack of
0: course Yep. Yeah
1: as as one would so apophis says torture teal by taking away his symbiote and make o'neill watch and then you can figure out how you want to kill o'neill and at the moment the priest is going to do it scara says no
2: or Clorel says no is that scara i think it's scara But well, why would you do it with a knife yeah that was really <laughs> just pull it i mean out. i understand if you have to cut open the pouch but it's already there's already a big old <laughs> like crosshatch on there like yeah And if you're going to scare us with a knife, make it a really big knife. Not like a little, like a citrus, um, juicer. juicer. (laughs) Maybe I'm going to juice the gauntlet in there. Pulp. Do you want pulp or?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Clarelle says, don't do it. Take them to the Peltac, which I think is like the bridge of the ship, right? The control center. So they all leave. Sam and Daniel are alone. And that's where... Sam says to go, they have to go after them. And Daniel's like, "Yeah, oh, can't we all just die? <laughs> and so she's like, I'll put a timer on for 24 hours, which I guess if you think you have a year, isn't that big of a deal, but I, that seems like a lot of time for shit to go wrong. Yeah. Then they are on the Peltac. Clorel walks in with O'Neill and Tiok, and shows them that they're in the solar system. You want to go home, here's your home. It's going to be destroyed, have fun. Tio says, "Prepare for a stream deceleration." Nobody else moves, but Jack falls down <laughs> and hits his head because he was embraced. He was really—he
0: really flew
1: back. <laughs> that was dramatic. Then we have back on the SGC Hammond, and everyone is realizing that what Daniel saw is actually going to come to pass. There are blips on the radar screen. Hammond says, "Daniel's lucky that he's not here to see his nightmare come true again." You know, there's that I told you so in there, he gets on his red phone and then they, they turn the SGC into the command center. So, and then we see that we see the Jafai getting into gliders, presumably about to attack Earth.
2: Okay. So, yeah. um, you guys might want to pull this up. You don't have to do it right now, but when one of the, the first glider at the closest glider. Yeah. He's like, raising the roof. <laughs> <laughs> I always see that. I always wonder what he's doing. Because he's not touching anything. He's just literally like, (laughs) I had to, I played it three times because I was like, that is not what I'm seeing right now. (laughs) It was awesome. Rose, you have to go back. I'll go back. I didn't notice that. It was awesome.
1: But so, okay. So you're turning the SGC into the command center. Maybe now is the time to let other countries know, Hey, we're about to be destroyed. Maybe you want to mobilize your militaries or something. Or are they just still going down, like, because they're turning? They're like saying we're putting up a fight. The SEC is becoming the military control center. We have communications with NASA and all this shit. Like the rest of the world is just still in the dark. Yeah, doesn't seem like a great plan.
0: What is the what is the rest of the world going to do though? Do they have enough time to? fly over to the U S and go through the gate.
1: If they're going to bomb them from the air, they could at least mobilize their own air forces. I mean, like if you if your plan is to just put up a fight until the bitter end, you would think you'd mobilize all of earth's military resources to put up that fight.
2: Cause maybe it's like an independence day scenario exactly. where there's the big ships over every country and everybody has to attack those ships.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a fighting chance, but if you have like, you know, Australia's military and
2: because as big as
1: the u.s military is the military industrial complex you would think you'd need like nato and all you know every single military in every single country mobilize and in order to do that you need to like have very fast conversations with these countries leaders
0: yeah but how long does it take to mobilize nato i think it it can mobilize pretty
1: fast isn't that the whole point that you can respond to a threat really fast don't
2: have you seen the movies where they're like running to the the air the airplanes i see like, So it's like
1: five minutes all it takes. So like if you get like a like a new coming in or a missile like isn't the whole point of these things is you get like five minutes notice that like north korea filed a missile at california and you got to scramble those jets like really fast yeah i
0: guess
1: so and, it, and they're still like in saturn it's not like they're right over them they still have time for like a few hours at least to get shit together
2: yeah or just get the every, i mean a whole bunch of countries have nukes You have to get those codes and get the right people in the place if they're gonna start firing nukes into the atmosphere.
1: Don't you think they have some planetary emergency plan like where the president of the US can call up the president of like Russia and Europe and all these places and just be like time to implement planetary defense?
0: I don't know. Do you think we have that in the real world? I doubt it. I
1: would think you have at least a secure channel where you're like calling up the president of France at any time of day and being like, we have a situation. You need to get your military in the air right now. Yeah, I think think that that exists.
2: Yeah. The CDC does have guidelines for uh, a zombie attack. Which is something we should be concerned about. Well, I mean, if you have a contingency plan for something that ridiculous, I'm I'm sure you have a contingency plan for
1: alien invasion. They're going to blow
2: up the planet.
1: <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even have to be aliens. Like, let's say Putin decides to go nuclear and drop a bomb on every country in the world. You know, like, there, there's, I think there's some, there are plans for this, for like emergency military engagements.
0: What's that thing called between parents where um, you need to send information quickly? It's like a phone chain or something? Is that what they call it? Phone tree? Phone tree. Maybe that's some kind of phone tree. Like, we call, <laughs> France France calls
2: Russia Russia calls Australia that kind of thing yeah I think they brought we probably have people who are not shredding documents (laughs) and
1: maybe we don't want to know how unprepared we are for major catastrophes We have Sam and Daniel sneaking around the hallway, throwing that smoke grenade, taking out a whole bunch of Jaffa again. These Jaffa really need to, they're like stormtroopers, right? They just are really bad at their job and take out all the Jaffa, find Daniel and Teal'c, free them. Daniel gets his face waterfalled. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Like for a long time, like O'Neal really (laughs) took his time shooting Skara. Neil already has mental health issues. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Let's talk about how fucked up it is
0: that
1: O'Neill is the one that has to kill Scara. I mean, like, dude, so this there's a running theme in this show of like making the characters destroy the things that are most important to them. And it's like so cruel, right? And so Skara is the stand-in. Like we established this in the movie. Scara is the stand-in for O'Neill's dead son who died by gunfire. And you're saying, shoot that stand-in son personally like fucked up
2: well here's my question why did he have to kill him why can't you just shoot him i don't know in the hand he's it's not like he's really far away from him you know what i mean or in the leg why do you have to literally take a kill shot i think they couldn't risk it
1: i mean teal was right you have to but i don't why couldn't teal shoot him or sam or daniel oh daniel was being waterfall but the other three of them like why did it
2: have to be him
1: was he the only one
2: with a clear shot did tilk have a weapon i thought they took away his weapon i can't remember who had a weapon in that room
1: but all that you were disabled at this point so if he didn't have a weapon he could have walked over to one and grabbed one and shot him i don't know it just seemed like i understand the point of like forcing this conversation with o'neill but it seemed very very cruel to make him he should that. have
0: shot the hand that was that had the ring device, or not the, ring device the hand the ring device, device yeah
2: it. yeah he wasn't that far away
0: or okay, sam good. sam's a really
2: good shot
1: Yeah, yeah. So Scara dies, so we think. What? Scar dies. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see. Well, he, you know, he takes his last breath, whatever. So they are implying that he dies. They see O'Neill has no time to mourn because they see Earth in the window, and that's when you get their pan out and
2: you see how big the ship is and all that. End of episode. Not just how big the ship is. The fact that the ship has its own pyramid on top it seems really aerodynamic to me there's, there's no air in space there's no yeah there's no air in space this <laughs> like, is, you can make a well,
1: spaceship any shape
2: you want right but, matter. No, it has to be shaped like a penis <laughs> didn't, didn't elon and, and jeff bezos yeah but no when you're going i understand there's no air in space but you're going what a hundred, a 1, thousand times the speed of light. Shouldn't there be some kind of non-pointy thing at the top of your ship? It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. I mean, I understand <laughs> the symbolism of it, but it, no.
1: Not- so I think the problem is in the movie they established that the motherships were pyramid shaped to land on the pyramids, and I think so. I think they're kind of stuck with that shape.
2: no i understand that i totally understand that i thought that was really cool that the actual ships that come down actually land on top of the pyramids and are shaped like pyramids this was like a symbolic pyramid in a ship because you could see all the rest of the black ship around it and then just this pyramid sticking up in the middle
1: i think it is oh yeah i don't know maybe it's like their new design and they just kept the same look from it (laughs) it's lame as i'm saying so this is a cliffhanger this is the season ender season finale what do we think happens episode 1 of season 2 i me and sam
2: are not going to answer this question malika yeah. you, this is all you okay so this is i know exactly what's going to happen the timer's going to go off and it's going to blow up everybody and everybody's going to die and then what and do we do for the next 9 seasons <laughs> there is no next 9 seasons they're pretending this is like um a false flag operation so there is no it looks like a season two episode one but really it's just 10 minutes of the ship blowing up and everybody's done and that's the end of the series the whole thing <laughs> i think that, that that something's gonna happen and earth is not gonna blow up <laughs> i'm just guessing i think that's that's a reasonable <laughs> considering that um doesn't amanda tapping she said that she comes back in like for two seasons in atlantis atlantis so i'm thinking she makes it out of this <laughs> <laughs> okay so this is the season
1: finale malika you've made it a full season congratulations thank you
2: thank you well what are our impressions of the season so Thankfully, we haven't binge-watched this, else I think my feelings would be different. There's some time between the really awful episodes and this episode, and this episode didn't feel too cringy, so I have like a general feeling of, like a warm feeling of liking this season, because I I kind of have forgotten the bad things. (laughs) So I thought it was this was exciting. I thought it was a good cliffhanger. I'm sure at the time when this episode came out, we nobody knew if there was going to be a second season. So people were kind of on the edge of their seats wondering what was going to happen. So so that was pretty good. The whole season. Yeah. And this
1: episode. Yeah, I so season 1, I always think season 1 of shows in general is always a little awkward because you really finding your footing of what works, what doesn't work, who the characters are, how they act. And I think, I think there's a lot of missteps in season one. I mean, emancipation being like the one that really stands out, but there's, th- I, there felt like moments, there's plot holes that I feel like get a little bit more smoothed over. I mean, there's always plot holes in a show like this, but they're not as glaring. <clears throat> you have the relationships that are just starting to get fleshed out and they really aren't there yet. And you have the characters acting in ways that I find inconsistent because they don't really know who they are yet. And that gets better. So season one is like, there are some really good episodes, but for the most part, it's not, definitely not one of my favorite seasons. So I'm really excited to be moving on to season two, which has some good stuff that I love.
0: What about you, Sam? Mm -hmm. Season one is just about the setup for me. I, I watch it because it's a part of the show, but I could definitely ignore all of season one. There's some good good points to it, but even yeah. Solitudes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Solitudes. <laughs> yeah, just that's one of the good points. But it, just the rest of it is it's just a, a like you said a series of of missteps or uh, boring episodes or cringy episodes. So I could watch Solitudes and then just go over to um season
1: two. So let's talk about how we're gonna rate this episode. Sam, why don't you start, what, how many chevrons would you give this?
0: I'd give this a five and a half. I, uh, I appreciate the adventure. I like that we're on a ship instead of going through the Stargate. I think everyone is pretty much um, true to character for the most part. I really enjoyed the, um, the dynamic between Carter and O'Neill when Carter sort of questions his authority. We get little bits of that later on in the, the series. And I always like a cliffhanger. How about you, Malika? I give it
2: a five. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I like. I always like action. I like it when there's not too many problematic issues. Um, which this one didn't feel like there was anything questionable, other than you know some of the plot holes. But um, they could be easily smoothed over by all the shooting of the zap guns. So. This was probably in my top five of this season. I found it exciting. Interesting. I'm gonna give it a five.
1: Also, um, yeah, th- you know, this doesn't feel like a, a standalone episode. It's kind of I guess it's part of like a four-episode arc, right? The last three episodes of season one and the first episode of season two are kind of all one long storyline. So it doesn't feel like I could rate it sort of independently. It's it's fine. I'm not a huge fan of just the action. Stuff like I like the episodes that are a little bit more thought provoking, but it does what it's supposed to do. It's a, it's interesting, it's entertaining, it's a good cliffhanger, um, and sort of launches us into season two. So uh, five feels good. Um, is there anything that you think would be changed if it was made today? I can't think of anything actually.
0: I can't either. Yeah, we and, still have cliffhangers around. I mean, they're still very popular.
1: Yeah, and I actually think the serialization of this fits in with how shows are made
2: today. Minus the 800 episodes. (laughs) Yes.
1: It's a lot of time to fill. You kind of feel, you kind of understand why some episodes are so shitty because how many stories can you possibly tell? But Then you you
0: miss out on the the quiet ones. They're actually pretty good.
1: And you miss out on the character building and the relationship building. Yeah. Yeah. All right then. So next time we'll be back with season two, episode one, The Serpent's Lair. And we'll take, we're going to take a couple weeks off between seasons, but we'll see you back in a couple weeks with season two. See you later.
2: Bye.
1: You are not going to make me Google how to snakes have sex.
0: Please like us. Oh, and follow us on Instagram at Probing the Wormhole, or Twitter at Probing the Wormhole, or Facebook at Probing the Wormhole. You can also get in touch with us at our website, probingthewormhole.com.